Welcome, everybody, to Books with Cooks, a podcast for bookies and foodies. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. And we're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. And I love to cook. And I cook to survive. We'll be reviewing, analyzing, sometimes overanalyzing, and discussing the books we're currently reading, as well as new and old recipes from our kitchen to yours. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, and husbands. So enjoy that bonus material. Now let's get booking and have a tasty chat. Before we get into our book discussion, we want to include some trigger warnings. This book and the following discussion will include topics of domestic violence, so please be aware of that before you proceed. Also, just be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers. So if that's something you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read the book, you may want to skip this episode and come back to it in the future. All right. So before we get into our book discussion, what are we snacking on today? Snacks. Snacks. Well, I... Well, I <laughs> had the time. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I now I just want to sing it. And now um, I just keep thinking of Cher singing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it. Well, I. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I am having coffee. coffee. I'm drinking an espresso caramel. Yum. Mm. Um, and I have some of my oat milk creamer in there and some whipped cream because why wouldn't I put whipped cream in it? Wow. Fancy. And I'm eating a Agira Deli intense dark crispy rice chocolate. And it is delish. Sounds really good. Mm-hmm. What about you? Nice. Uh, so I'm actually I just finished up dinner. So I was just snacking on some crab rangoon. I got Chinese food today. I did not feel up to cooking. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty good, too. Nice. Very different. though. <laughs> We're like on very two different. Oh, uh, two different planes entirely. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um. What? Uh. Nice. <laughs> I can't even talk because I'm thinking of Wella. <laughs> What are you drinking? I'm drinking an orange vanilla polar seltzer. Yum. The yeah. best flavor. It really is. It's so good. So good. So, okay. <laughs> you, it's time for the word of the day. Remember, we encourage our listeners to use these words in your daily conversations with us on our socials. Stay tuned at the end of this episode when we give you our sassy spatula award to whoever correctly used the word in conversation during the previous episode. Each word of the day will come from the Word of Day vocabulary workbook by Franny the Pucks. Francine Puckley, what up, girl? Follow the <laughs> link in bio to get a copy for yourself. And without further ado, today's word of the day is frangible. You're fangible. <laughs> frangible. 
spelled F-R-A-N-G-I-B-L-E, pronounced frangible. It's an adjective, and it's defined as easily breakable. For example, the frangible vase did not survive the cross-country move. Alex, we could do better than that. Let's uh, list some examples on the fly um, to come up with uh, for frangible. All right. So I would say that the relationship between Atlas and his mom is pretty frangible, maybe at, at best. <laughs> I agree. I would say that Ryle's composure is still pretty frangible, as we learn in this book. Oh, man, I was going to say the same thing. Well, I was going to say, um, how dare you? <laughs> Ryle's control over his temper is frangible. OK, I mean, you said it better. But, you know, I said it no. first. So, so. Um, <laughs> uh, how about uh, the need for this book is kind of frangible. Um, no, that doesn't go. That doesn't go. I don't know. Take the reins here. I'm thinking. Um, Lily's attempts to get Ryle on board with a co-parenting situation is pretty frangible. Agreed. Atlas and his brother are starting out with a very frangible new relationship. Yeah, definitely. All right. So there you have it. You have some examples of the word frangible. So before we move on to our make it stick activity, uh, we're going to give you some trivia about that word frangible. So holding its early 15th century meaning of easily breakable, frangible usually refers to delicate items, but pie crusts, thin crackers, and emotions can also be frangible, though these were less common. Bullets, deigned to disintegrate into tiny particles upon impact, are called frangible bullets. All right, so there you have it. Some history, some history on the word frangible. Um, so somebody, you know, if you try to use that word and somebody's like, do you even know what that means or where it comes from? You can tell them. <laughs> it don't be frangible. Okay. Use it in conversation. All right. So today's make it stick activity, which will also be posted on our socials for you to engage with is to write a quick scene incorporating the words frangible, Merlot and snatch. So random. So we can't wait to see what you guys can come up with. And we're going to come up with some of our own as well that we'll go over in our uh, potty episode on Thursday. Potty episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So oh, because boy. as our title indicates, you know, we're all about booking and cooking. So we're also going to be incorporating an ingredient of the week. Woohoo! Every Tuesday, we'll select an ingredient from a food mentioned in the current book. This week's ingredient is pasta. <laughs> Why am I screaming it? Yay! <laughs> pasta! One of my favorites inspired by Atlas's shrimp pasta that he makes for Lily and Alyssa in Chapter 6. We're going to make something using that ingredient to discuss in our potty episode, which will air on Thursday. So send us your recipe suggestions on our socials, and we may even feature them in the future. Party episode. Yeah, yeah. It Starts With Us is the sequel to It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. It picks up right where the previous book left off. Lily and Atlas just had their chance encounter on the street and began to rekindle their romance. In the midst of this, Lily continues to struggle to navigate the tumultuous relationship with ex-husband and father of daughter, Ryle. At the same time, Atlas is confronted with people from his past that will set the tone for his future. 
All right, everyone. So we thought it would be nice to explain why we chose to read the books that we chose. So for this episode, we chose to read this book because we just read It Ends With Us and it is the sequel. So we had initially decided to read It Ends With Us because of the amazing reviews and recommendations across Book Talk, as well as recommendations from our girl, Shay Mitchell. We We love love you, you. Shay. (laughs) All right. So when we talked about It Ends With Us, we first discussed the title. So we're going to start there again. Um, The sequel is It Starts With Us. What do you think the title means? Do you think there's any significance behind the title? And when the title does come full circle within the book, did you predict that would be the reason behind the title? No, absolutely not. So spoiler alert, but when we get to that point in the novel, when it comes full circle, you realize it's more about Atlas and his brother that he had no idea existed um, forming a relationship and starting over basically without their abusive mother. Um, so now it's starting over with them. Um, and initially when we first picked up this book, uh, I thought it was going to be about Lily starting over with her daughter, Emmy, um, starting over past, you know, post abuse from Ryle. Um, so no, I did not predict that at all. I didn't see that coming. Um, so that was a nice surprise. Yeah, I um, I actually really loved that when I read that in the book. I agree with you. My first thought was it starts with us. It's going to be Willie uh, and Atlas starting their relationship. And that's what that's going to be. But it turns out it, I thought it was so sweet the way that they actually introduced it in the book, too, where um, Atlas's brother, Josh, had to do an assignment for school where he had to map out his family tree. And he was struggling to do that because um well, he didn't really know his father well, and he was trying to get information. And he ultimately decided that his family tree was going to start with him and Atlas. And he said, well, our family tree starts with us. And I just thought that was really cute. I definitely didn't predict it. And um, it made me like the title way more um, after reading yes. that. Yes. Um, so this book is now told in a different um, dual perspective of Lily and Atlas. Um, so how did we feel about you know, having Atlas's point of view now, did it change our views of Lily, Atlas, Ryle? And um, how does that change the tempo, mood and overall feel of the story for you? What do you think? I liked having the dual perspective. Um, Same. I think it was kind of necessary in this book because there wasn't really a lot that happened. And I think it was necessary to get more backstory of Atlas I don't know if it changed my views on anyone, Um, maybe a little bit of Atlas, just because we got more information about him and the other people in his life and kind of what he's been through. I did think it changed the overall feel of the book because um, I'm trying to think of like the the reason why, but it was basically just it, it made it feel more comprehensive. We were getting multiple perspectives. So the things that we did see happening in the book, we just saw from different points of view, which was interesting. Um, it wasn't all from the perspective of Lily. So that I think for me, it uh, affected the the mood a little bit in a good way. In a good way. I agree. I really liked the the dual perspective. I loved picking Atlas's brain and, and getting to see, you know, how he felt, um, getting to hear his point of view too about you know, meeting his brother and getting to know his brother um, for the first time. And and also, you know, his, uh, you know, horrendous mother, <laughs> um, getting to know her and, and getting to see his point of view with that. Um, so that's what I had hoped for in the last book that we would get to know him a little more. And we did. So I think the Hooves delivered on that part 
um, to definitely get us to know Atlas a little more, which we definitely wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the beginning of the book, Lily discloses that she gave Ryle a key to her apartment and that he comes and goes as he pleases as a result. How do you think the story might have changed if she had not requested the key back or if she had confronted him about it sooner than she did? Okay, first of all, why did this man have a key? Okay. Yeah. Why did this man have a key to your apartment? The one that he he pushed you down the stairs. He he physically abuses you and he has a key to your apartment. Hell no. And it was like a year after or something that he finally gave it back. Right. Over. A Absolutely year. not. Yeah. yeah. That's insane to me. Um, I get it. Like, oh, you know, um, that's his daughter, but he has no business into your personal life anymore. Yes. Into his daughter's life. Sure. But once he gives her back to you, mm -mm, he has no access to your apartment. He has no access after looking through your journals. Now looking through your shit again. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. I just I didn't sit right with me at all that that. That, that happens but um how might it not have changed if she didn't request it back i mean she would have he would have walked in when she was talking to atlas <laughs> if atlas came by obviously there could have been like some scuffle there and honestly didn't he attack her or like physically attack her in the apartment anyway even after giving back the key yeah i, I believe that was after that yeah that was after he gave the key back yeah yeah so it had nothing to do with him being you know having the key or not he's abusive no matter what he did not change Maybe he thinks he did, but clearly that shows us that he did not. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Personally, I just uh, it didn't sit right with me that he had the key at all. I was surprised by that. Yeah. When I was reading it, I was actually really taken aback to even learn that he had a key. Um, and she tries to explain it to be like, oh, well, after I gave birth, he needed to come and help with Emmy. And I don't know. I thought it was a really half-assed excuse as to why he would have the key. It was really Agreed. bizarre. I didn't understand why he had it for as long as he did. If it was a matter of he needed to get something for her while she was giving birth. I mean, first of all, there's other people available that she could have given that key to that she could have had go get those things that she could have had assisting her but in terms of how it might have impacted the story i mean if she hadn't requested it back i think he would have continued to have this idea that hey i can we can be together again because that's kind yeah. of where this was going like she shows up Come and go as i please yeah, yeah she just got home from work and he's in her apartment with food and taking care of the kid and he's like playing house while you know she's trying to set boundaries but then she doesn't actually set them and you know she's like oh i was too tired so i didn't tell you know i didn't mention it to him but i needed to do it soon and i just didn't understand why she was allowing that to go on for as long as she did so if she had not requested it back, I think that that just would have continued to a point where maybe things would have gotten even worse physically. Like you said, it does get physical even after the keys given back. But I do think it would have gotten even more severe because he would have been there more often. But if she had confronted him sooner about it, that I think it would have prevented this false hope in him that like things were going to improve. He was going to be able to quote unquote, get his family back. I do think by allowing him to have the key and allowing him to come and go from her apartment, it did give him this idea that she wanted him to stay around. So if she had done it sooner, if she had taken it back sooner, I think that would have kind of nipped that in the bud. Yeah. Basically I think the uh, Hoover put that in there just to show that once a woman steps back from the abuse, you know, she can't just necessarily put all the pieces back quickly. So the, the reason he had it for a year after or whatever is just showing how he was still gaslighting and manipulating her and how she was still recovering, but still basically um, allowing it to go on because out of fear, I think. 
So I think she would, cause she was even like when she had to say, Hey, I need this key back. It took her over a year to actually come up with the coverage, maybe to say it like, no, enough is enough now. Um, I think she was just afraid of him. So I think maybe Hoover would just put that in there just to, to be like, listen, you know, once a woman walks away, if she has a child with this man, you know, she doesn't necessarily walk away completely and she doesn't walk away whole right away. Yeah. And that I, makes sense. I definitely get that. Um, I think saying that she was fearful to do it is a little speculative. I didn't get that impression from Lily in the book. Um, She didn't say, you know, that she was nervous about it or she was scared. Also, again, she could have done it in a way that ensured her safety, like having Marshall present or, you know, another person present. Um, That's true. She didn't have anybody when she did say it, but she contemplated it for a minute. Yeah. And I don't know. I, again, I do understand the idea that, he can't be gone from her life. Obviously he can't be because they have a child together, but I just would have liked to see a little bit more like the, the key just seemed random. It didn't Mm. seem consistent with where Lily was at, at the end of the first book or in this book. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him trying to convince her maybe to give him a key and her having to stand her ground and maybe feeling fearful or something along those lines. But none of that happened in the actual book. It was just like, he has a key. He's in my apartment. I have to get it back. And then she does. And it was kind of like a non-issue after that. So, yeah. I mean, I, just, I think I, don't we, know. I think we see that too, though. When he, when she has to stuff Atlas in the closet because he comes by her job, mm-hmm. um, so she is obviously, you know, still a little fearful of him. But I thought that part was ridiculous. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand being fearful of him, and I think she was fearful of him at certain points. Um, I mean, I think she was also like tiptoeing for his benefit. You know, if he came in, if he came in unannounced to her place of work and Atlas happened to be there, that's that's a Ryle problem. That's not a Lily and Atlas problem. So, you know, but I I understand why she did it. But I really I I was like, not only like putting him in your office wasn't good enough. You had to put him in the closet just in case Ryle came to your office. Why would he be coming into your office? He has no reason to be coming back there. Like if you feel the need to hide him, fine. But like you're really going to shove him in the closet. It was crazy to me. I know. And that just Atlas was just like, okay. I know. Mm. (laughs) Like really Atlas? I don't know. Oh yeah. I just came all the way over here and I cooked you pasta, but I'll I'll sit in your closet for 15 minutes. I know. (laughs) Oh God. Come on hooves. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I know. (laughs) So, all right. Lily made the decision to not reveal the domestic abuse in her custody battle battle. Excuse me. Um, Do you think that was the right decision? And if you were in Lily's position, what would you have done? Not that. Um, The court had absolutely every right to know about that, not only for her safety, but for the baby's sake, too. Um, He had obviously I feel like this is still in the state where she was maybe being gaslit and manipulated by him in a way. Um, So maybe she felt like she was doing the right thing, protecting him so he could be with her daughter, you know, and there was no um, nobody interfering with her daughter being with her dad. I don't know what her thinking process was there, but I just think it was ridiculous that she withheld that information because that information is very vital to your daughter's safety overall. So um, I don't think she made the right decision. I feel like she thinks she did in that moment, but she realized way after, obviously, that she made the wrong choice and um, she tried to justify it and fix it with the uh, intervention. But um, if I was in her position, 
although I, I'm not in her position, so I can't, I can only say as an outsider, but um, personally, I would not have done that now. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't think it was the right decision, but I do know that that's common um, where, you know, a partner of, you know, an abusive partner will try to protect that, that, that other person. Um, I'd like to think that if I was in her position that I wouldn't have tried to protect him, that I would have done it. But like you said, you know, you never really know unless you're in that position yourself. But I do know that. And I think that's what um, the Hooves was trying to to maybe get at a little bit with the messaging was just that a lot of times, you know, people, they they want to be apart from this person. They don't want to be with this person anymore, but they don't necessarily want to uproot their whole lives. And she, I think in the book was most concerned about him potentially losing his job. And I think she thought that that would have affected his ability to be a parent and might've made him even angrier. So she might've been just trying to prevent future violence, maybe prevent violence against her kid, maybe do what she thought was best for the whole family at the time. But I don't think it was the right decision. Um, and I, yeah. I think she learned that in hindsight. Yeah. And as an outsider looking in again, um, fuck his job. OK, <laughs> any reason to get fired from your job is his fault. His actions brought him to that point. So if 100%. he did lose his child or he did lose his job, sorry, Ryle, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I I felt for Lily in a way because I'm like, OK, um, she's still sticking up for him and she's still feeling like oh it'll be my fault if i you know if that happens um you know but like i said i can only you know give my opinion as an outsider so yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. all right so in it starts with us we get to learn more about atlas's past and his family unit um what is one thing you learned that stood out to you and how did it help to shape your opinion of atlas Yes, we do learn about his past. I mean, we we did learn a little bit through the Allen letters, um, but we got to actually get a glimpse from his point of view. I liked that. Um, his mom, I knew she was a piece of crap in the last one, but she's a piece of work, man. <laughs> you know, not only was she doing this to him, but she did this to another boy as well. You know, mm-hmm. she's just a horrendous mother, horrible mm-hmm. person. Um, you know, he came there and he went to go fix something for her. I think it was a doorknob. And she was like, why are you doing this? Why are you helping me? You know, Tim's going to be upset. Like, fuck you and fuck Tim. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. your son was just living in an abandoned house mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't care at all where he goes, what happens to him. Yeah. Um, and I just can't, as a mom myself, relate to that. I just don't understand how someone could do something and be so heartless when it comes to your child. Um, yeah. But so that stood out to me, of course, about her. Um, how did it shape my opinion of Atlas? I mean, Atlas is just a great guy. You know, some might say he's too perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he just he wanted her love and her appreciation and he just wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of what stood out. <laughs> I, I guess the thing that stood out to me the most about Atlas wasn't so much about his past, but when he decided to become, you know, his brother's guardian and to kind of take on that responsibility that really stood out to me. I did like that part of the book. Um, and it did, I think, shape my opinion of Atlas, um, which just really just reinforced his characteristics, which is that he is a pretty stable, protective person and he, um, he does the right thing, you know, when faced with 
a hard decision, he makes the right choice. And I think that that was pretty consistent in everything that we learned about him from the past and what was happening in the present. Uh, I yeah. agree that I, I do think Atlas was a little too perfect. It's actually something <laughs> that kind of bothered me a little bit in the book, but I do think that, you know, he's, <laughs> he's supposed to be a good guy yeah. and, and, that was demonstrated time and time again. So he's the complete opposite of Ryle because Ryle was faced with trauma, became an asshole and Atlas <laughs> faced with trauma. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to do be good. And uh, I'm going to make sure that my brother that I never knew about, because my mom's an asshole and never told me, I'm going to make sure that he has a better life. He's not ending up on the streets. Because I eventually, uh, basically he was already on the streets and she didn't mm -hmm. care. All she cared about was that, the school was going to put her in jail if they, if he wasn't found. Yeah. Like, she only cared about herself, narcissist, you know? Yeah. Um, but whatever, not diagnosing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Colleen, the hooves said that this Colleen. book, it, start <laughs> it starts with <laughs> us, would answer all of our questions about Atlas. Do you think you understand Atlas better? And what questions are you still left with? Did it answer all my questions about Atlas? <laughs> I mean, we do understand him better, but I wasn't left understanding him more in this book than I understood him in the previous book. So if this book wasn't written, I feel like I would still have the same point of view of him. Basically, I would still think he's a great guy, you know, mm -hmm. and that he would always do the right thing. He would always be protective of Lily. He would never, you know, hit her. So I, uh, did she answer all the questions? I don't know about that. How do you feel? I think I'm still left with some things. Yeah. So I, I agree with you 100%. I, I couldn't say it better that the way that I understood Atlas after the first book, I understand him completely the same after reading the second book. I don't think we really learned anything new or different about him. I still have a lot of questions for Atlas. Like, what's your flaw? You know what I mean? I, I think... <laughs> I was hoping that It Starts With Us would create more of a like whole person um, introduction of Atlas so that we would understand like, what, what is he good at? What is he bad at? What, you know, what does he need to work on? And instead he just, I just read this book and I was like, yep, he did the right thing again. Yep. He had the right reaction. Yep. He said the right thing he did, you know, and it, it, it actually took away from his character. I thought, because it made him feel less real. He felt more like a cartoon of what a good man is supposed to be without him feeling any type of realistic, in my opinion. So I have a lot of questions about just, you know, what makes him tick? What makes him <laughs> like lose it? You know what I mean? We all have, we all have a trigger. We all have a thing that gets under our skin. Like, what is it? <laughs> I would have liked to have seen some type of conflict within Atlas. I would have liked to have seen some type of conflict outside of Atlas, like just anything that would have made me feel a little bit more relatable to him. Cause I was like, nobody, how does anybody relate to him? Nobody's this perfect, you right. know, even if we want to be on that pedestal and that person, nobody is, it's just hard for me to no. really. Like, I feel like his trigger was like Sutton, I guess his mom. Right. And even when, and maybe Tim too. And even when he was presented with moments where he could have just, you know, blew up on her and been like, you're at the worst mother ever. I was on the streets. We didn't get that. <laughs> it was just like, no. oh, what happened happened. Uh, I'm just going to take custody of the kid. I, like, I no. thought, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was great that like in the book, he was able to kind of come to terms with who his mother is as a person and how like she probably isn't likely to change and all of that. 
but it just seemed like he was already there. <laughs> we didn't see that journey for him. It was like immediately he already had that, you know, awakening moment. So there was not there. It wasn't interesting to read about. It was like, OK, she's she's the bad person. He's the good guy. He's going to, again, just do and say the right thing. He's going to react the right way. There was no like emotion um right. that connected me to this at all i wanted to feel something and i just didn't it just like i said it felt very two-dimensional yeah i agree with that atlas makes the decision in this book to become the primary caregiver to his brother as we've been saying mm -hmm. um and makes attempts to include his mom you know in his brother's life so how did you feel about atlas's decision to do that i think you could kind of touched on it a little but yeah i mean i loved that decision i Again, I would have liked to have seen some type of internal conflict within Atlas, like, oh, is this something that I can do? I would have liked to have seen a little bit more dimension even from his brother. Um, you know, as a kid, I had this issue in the first book, too, where Atlas was so perfect, despite his background, there was no like behavioral issues or anything, which is fine. I'm not saying that every person in a situation like that is going to behave badly or have a negative reaction. But typically, like kids of abuse, kids of neglect, like they're going to have some issues, you know, they might be struggling in school. They might have some like anger issues. They might have something. But instead, we just saw Josh being a really sweet kid, which is fine. But again, it was just fine. <laughs> like I would have liked to have seen Atlas maybe trying to establish a relationship with a kid who was maybe a little bit more troubled than he was and trying to help him understand how he got to where he is coming from the same background. I would have liked right. to have seen him struggling with this uh, decision, you know, to take on a caregiving role to a 12 year old, which is no easy feat. I mean, I don't know if I could do it. That's, you know, 12 year olds are a lot. Yes. Um, especially so, coming from that background. Yeah. Think. Yeah. So again, I mean, I like the decision. It was the right decision. It was a good decision. I just reading about it was just boring because there was no, it was like immediate. He was like, Oh, I'm just going to have to take care of this kid. I made the decision. I'll tell Sutton tomorrow. Sutton's his mother. Um, right. So, eh, that's just, I know. I mean, and and then through Lily, we would get like considerate Atlas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's considerate, but again, you're right. Uh, this goes back to you saying about the depth. Where's the depth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, on paper, it's just like fantasy man. And uh, what, what was Alyssa calling him? Greek God or something. Yeah. She did. You know, she called like, him a Greek god multiple times. Like, a Greek, even Greek gods had, you know, some, some hostile and, and <laughs> fighting. I don't know. They had some flaws. Kind of, they had yeah. flaws. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to write a whole spinoff book to follow up on a character from a previous book, use that opportunity to really like get into that character's head, use it to flesh out that character's world and that character's like personality, just anything. But I just, I just didn't get any of that. I'm sorry, Hooves. I know I've been kind of hard on the Hooves. Uh, this book hasn't really <laughs> turned me around on it. It's only kind of reinforced no. some stuff for me. But um, yeah, I just. No, I, I know this book was written for her fans who demanded it. Um, yeah. But I think we we said this before, but if it hadn't been written or if we didn't read it, um, I would have been fine with that. Like it would have been it, it would have left me with the same impression and, and same everything um, from when I left. It, it's it ends with us. So, yeah, it kind of made no impact on the story for me. 
I actually think it took away from the the first book. So I think by writing this book, it kind of diminished the message that she intended for It Ends With Us. And um, I think that if she wanted to write the character Atlas and she wanted to write it into a love story, it could have been done in a different book um, that was not related to It Ends With Us. I, I think this whole character just... Thought there was no real character arc for him. Like that's the thing. Like no. there was no, there was no growth. There was no change. There was no suspense. There was just, it was just boring. Um, this just consider it Atlas. <laughs> just, just consider it Atlas. Um, <laughs> the book itself. You know, if she hadn't written it, I wouldn't have cared. Um, this book added absolutely nothing to the first one. It added absolutely nothing to the characters. It didn't change my opinion at all about the characters it just kind of like i said reinforced some of my opinions from the first one in terms right. of the characters and and the writing right um, it was just kind of like a a present given to to her fans um mm-hmm. it felt a little rushed to me you know some some aspects of it i feel like were just kind of like fillers like when she was adding in letters from the prior book like we didn't need that um but that's another that we'll bothered me so that. much. Yeah, we <laughs> for can, another day. <laughs> we can definitely zip lock that for our Thursday episode because I have thoughts on that. Yes. Um, okay. All right. Let's move on <laughs> before I get derailed. I'll derail myself. Um, all right. So there's a quote, uh, but that's the issue, I guess, where people, where human and humans can sometimes be disappointing. While this novel is a love story, it focuses on the love between family. Do you think Sutton will be a better mom for Josh? I feel like we kind of okay. touched. Yeah. I mean, focusing on the love between family. I love that. Um, I did find myself getting more interested by the aspect of that in this novel and, you know, him forming a friendship and a a brothership or whatever you want to call it with his sibling he didn't know about. Um, So I did like to see that more than the love story. And that surprised me because I was looking forward to the love story aspect of it. Um, after she ran into his arms in the epilogue of the last book. Um, but do I think Sutton will be a better mom for Josh? Absolutely not. She had the opportunity to be a better mom for Josh when he was born. She wasn't a good mom to Atlas and she had the opportunity to do it again. And she failed miserably. The same, t- same thing. He was on the streets um, and she really didn't give a shit. Um, so do I think she'll be a better mom? I mean, it sets it up in the story where they're going to meet for dinner once a week and she shows up once and that's it. So I think that basically gives us the exact response. Like I said, a leopard doesn't change its spots overnight. So will she ever come around? I don't know, but I doubt it. I wish we would have had more of that in this book. Um, I agree. I don't think Sutton will be a better mom for Josh. I I think they even say like somewhere towards the end of the book where, you know, she had somewhat agreed to attend like these weekly dinners at the restaurant with the three of the the two of them. Um, And then she came to one and never came again. So I think that was pretty clear that she's not going to change. But what a much more interesting story it would have been to see more of that, more of Atlas trying to maybe rehabilitate his mom, get her some help, get her more involved and then potentially failing. But I would have preferred to read that than just I mean, even the parts that we did get with Sutton and, you know, that whole conflict again, they were just boring. Um, There there was no, there were no stakes involved. Like it was just, I mean, I I would have liked to have seen even like a trial run of her trying to be a better mom to Josh and then just, you know, failing and Atlas really has to step in and say like, no, that's it. Like this, this was your second chance and and you lost it. But instead it was just like, there were no stakes at all to it. Um, Yeah. So 
I feel like this entire thing so far has been our rewrite the novel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just wait for our Thursday episode, guys. I I got a list. I'm prepared how I would change this novel. Um, if it needed oh, yeah. to be written at all, um, which I don't think it did. So uh, all right. We're zip blocking it. I'm I'm zip I'm zip blocking. Uh, <laughs> well. What um what parallels do you see between Atlas's family and Lily's now that we have a glimpse into his family a little bit more? Yeah, I think there were a lot of parallels. Um, obviously, Atlas was still um, experiencing abuse just the way that he, he experienced it more hands on versus just witnessing it. Whereas Lily in her family um, growing up, she was witnessing the abuse between her parents um, and Atlas was more of the. A focus of abuse in his family. Um, I don't right. I, I don't recall. Maybe maybe you do. If the stepdad was ever abusive to his mom, I think he was. But I think it was more so directed towards Atlas and then towards um, maybe her as a backup, maybe more um, verbally abusive. But I think the yeah. physical abuse was more directed towards Atlas. And I think yeah. it's because she mentions at some point that he felt threatened by him or something, you know, because I guess he was a big, strong man. So he felt threatened by the teenage boy. Um, yes. But yes. Please. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Um, definitely. I think there was the similarity between their two mothers. So where Lily's mom was. Uh, tolerating the abuse and not leaving and saying that, you know, this is just how it is. Sometimes you don't understand. I think we kind of got a, a very similar sentiment from Sutton when she was talking to Atlas saying, you know, I can't just leave. You don't really get how it is. Like, this is just how it is. Right. Um, so I did see that similarity as well. Yeah, definitely similar um, passive mothers. Mm. I mean, not so much so because she was kind of more aggressive Sutton. She was abusing her kids too. Um, whereas Lily's mom wasn't doing that. Lily's mom was just getting, she was the victim. Um, but there was that moment where, uh, Lily got thrown to the ground in the middle of him choking her mother out. And she had to, you know, her mother had to take her to the hospital and her mother was like, don't say anything like sticking yeah. up for him. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately Atlas was really the, the victim in that scenario. Not mm -hmm. so much the mother that we know of. I mean, we, unless we get a third book where we're going to see Sutton's point of view. <laughs> which I hope not at this I, point. <laughs> I would read that book. I'd like to know what's going on inside her head. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right. So we got another quote. Uh, Choices helped me to realize that sometimes the hardest decisions a person can make will most likely lead to the best outcomes. What hard decisions did Lily and Atlas have to make? And did anyone else in the story have to make hard decisions as well? I mean, one of the hard decisions was him being thrown in the closet and staying there. I mean, <laughs> call yourself a man, Atlas. Get the hell out of the closet. Um, what the hell are you doing in there? You know, so stand up to Ryle. I don't know. I just feel like Atlas wouldn't have been put in a closet if we're really thinking about it. I feel like Atlas would have stepped out and been like, no, if he's here, I'll be right there. You know, he's not going to hurt you in front of me. I have issues with the closet thing. I don't know. But hard jokes aside, <laughs> hard decisions. Um, obviously, they're going to have to, you know, work with Ryle. Ryle's always going to be a part of Emmy's life. Um, and they're going to have to make they had to make that decision on, you know, can we make this work now with Josh as well involved? You know, we have um, things coming at us that we have to work through together. So I guess you could say, you know, um, those were hurdles that they, you know, 
made it over. Did anyone else in the story have to make hard decisions? Um, I guess Josh leaving his mom, not really a hard decision in my opinion. Um, Sutton being like, okay, you could just take my kid. I really don't care. That doesn't seem like a hard decision for her. Um, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. I guess the only people maybe making a hard decision would be Alyssa against her brother to have the intervention and then saying, you know, not only do you have to have, you know, um, supervised visits to see your kid, but you have to have supervised visits now to see our daughter too, because now, you know, you really need someone, you need, you need help. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess that was probably the hardest decision in in the novel for Alyssa to stand up to her own brother. Yeah, I agree. I was going to mention that. Um, I definitely think that Alyssa having to make the choice to protect her child and her niece and also her ex-sister-in-law, you know, versus her brother was probably a pretty hard decision. And um, I definitely think that that was something mildly explored. Um, I think Lily having to make the decision to confront Ryle about his, um, his visitation rights. So in the book, she does not allow um, Emmy to have overnight visits with, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Ryle, sorry. <laughs> what's um, your name again? Sorry, I, I started getting all uh, <laughs> messed up. But <laughs> she uh, she decided that she wasn't allowed to have overnight visits with him until she could speak because that's when she would be able to say if something happened to her. And I think that that was a hard decision to have to explain to him because she, there were moments in the book where she thought that in her head, but she never actually made that explicit to him. And then she eventually does once he's kind of pushing her. And um, I think that Atlas, I, I think taking on the care of a younger brother is a hard decision. He didn't make it seem like one. I do think it should have been a harder yeah. decision. Um, and then I do think that Ryle had some tough decisions to make as well. I think he had to kind of come to terms with his behavior. He had to decide if he was going to continue on this path that he's been on, if he was going to accept the intervention from his family um, in a way that would uh cause some type of change. And he had to make a decision of, am I going to continue down this path or am I going to try to make things work for the sake of my daughter? And I think that by the end of the story, he was kind of working on that. Um, there was still, still a douche. No, he's definitely, I mean, he's a creep. He's a weird guy. We yeah. don't like him. We, we're, we're not, we're, we're not Ryle stands. Um, but no, definitely I, not. I did like to see a little bit of growth where he, you know, he couldn't get out of the car to do the handoff with Emmy, but he was present. He allowed it to happen. He didn't try to, you know, beat Atlas up again. So I did appreciate that there was a little bit of character growth for him by the end of the novel. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. Um, but I yeah, don't know see, if there my, were really any other like hard, hard decisions. I'm not sure. That's my issue with Ryle too. Cause it's like, he allowed it to happen. Like he has no say if she's going to move in with another man a year after the fact or whatever, again, it's on him. This is, these yeah. are, this is the aftermath of his poor decisions. You know, and I think him not getting out of the car just shows us that he's a fucking baby, if anything. Um, You know, not getting out of the car like, yeah, I'm going to tolerate this, but, you know, I'm not going to come out and say anything because like he I don't know. I I just I don't see him fully changing. I mean, I feel like he's like you said, going to tolerate things for his daughter's sake. And that's what he should do. Um, But I feel like it's going to take a long time, if if ever, for him to come around. 
Yeah. I mean, Ryle needs therapy and he needs some type of anger management. Um, Again, I would have liked to have seen that explored a little bit in the freaking book, but we didn't get that. I would have liked to have seen that Um, as well. I kind of like I'm going to a therapist and trying to work on my issues, something. Yeah. Instead, he was just parading around thinking like, oh, well, I'm going to get back with her, even though I beat the shit out of her for no reason. I'm going to get back with her and uh, she's going to allow that to happen for the sake of our kid. Like, no, at the end of the last book, I thought that we seen a, a spark in him that's that woke up a little bit and then we'd go right back to the same nonsense of him gaslighting and and mm-hmm. trying to get back in there i don't know i'm Meh. glad that we didn't see him have like a full turnaround because i think that that would have been even more like unrealistic, unrealistic. you know yeah. um but i i did like i i do think that there's a little bit of depth to ryle that just doesn't get as uh, explored the way that it should but I, I do think his decision not to get out of the car was a smart one. I think he at least was able to recognize if I get out of this car, I might get physical, <laughs> um, which yeah. is not good. But, you know, making the decision not to then put yourself in that position is a big step. And that I think that's a mature decision. Um, right. There was actually a a sim- having, um, having uh, Marshall in there too come yes. with him. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is I think that shows some growth and I think it shows some demonstration that he's trying. And I I, I appreciate that. There was a scene in the first book as well where um, he is with Lily in the car and he says something to her along the lines of, you know, if if you want to be with somebody else, if this, you know, this really hurt me. So if you're going to if this is going to happen again, like I need you to tell me now before I'm further into this. I thought it was a really mature moment from, for him to be able to recognize, like, I didn't like the way this felt. This made me feel upset. Let's have a conversation about it. Um, but we didn't really see outside of that scene and the scene of him not getting out of the car. We really don't see that anywhere else um, in either of the books where we see him kind of maybe even struggling with some internal thoughts or impulses um, but I mean, I'll zip lock that. That's really, it's, I don't want to get too much into that more. Um, but let's just move on. All right. Um, we hate Ryle. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. So in the book, Ryle does sit, uh, make some changes to his behavior after Alyssa and Marshall intervene. Do you think this is something that will be long lasting or do you think another intervention may be needed in the future? And do you think Ryle will ever be able to team up with Lily and Alice to participate in an effective and nurturing parenting team for Emerson? I think for Emerson's sake, Ryle has no choice but to team up and participate in everything having to do with her life. Um, there's going to be birthday parties. There's going to be all these events for her that he's going to have to be there and be an adult, um, you know, and do what's right for his daughter. Um, So I think that he has no choice but to do that. Um, Do I think that, you know, his behavioral changes will be long lasting? I mean, I think the intervention will come up having it from his sister's mouth and, and, you know, brother-in-law and being like, listen, you know, bro, you can't do this now. I know you love our daughter, too, but now our daughter needs supervised visits, too, because, hey, you know, you're unpredictable, man. Um, You know, and when it comes to the kids, we just can't trust you. So I think that hurt him. It really stung coming from his sister. Um, So I think that will have some kind of impact going forward on his decision making. But I don't know if it'll be long lasting. I feel like. At this point in his life, he is who he is. I feel like, yes, he's going to work on things, but I feel like in the back of my mind, he would always be unpredictable and who knows what could trigger him. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I just don't know. What do you think? So I do think that 
without therapy and anger management, another intervention will be necessary in the future. I don't think, yeah, I don't think a one-time conversation is really enough for Ryle. Um, And I mean, I would like to hope that he could participate in like this parenting role alongside Lillian Atlas. I don't know if he's definitely not at that point anytime soon, perhaps in the future. And again, perhaps with therapy, he might be able to, but I think where the novel ends, the answer is no. Uh, Though just to kind of go back to what we were talking about before, I think his like small changes that he was making and at least, you know, the choices he was making in those moments seem to uh, give us some hope for the future for that. Right. It's like the movie, What About Bob? It's baby steps, you know? (laughs) He has to take baby steps um, for the sake of his baby. He really does. And hopefully he will get the counseling he he desperately needs. Um, And going forward, you know, hopefully he'll, I don't know, be the the better guy. (laughs) But meh. Meh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, And it starts with us. We see Ryle's same anger anger issues, um, but not to the same level, obviously, that we saw in the first book. But do you believe him when he says he changed? (laughs) We just talked about this. Yeah, we we really just talked about this, but not really. Um, I think he thinks he's changed. I think he believes his own bullshit, but I think it's clear that he hasn't really changed yet. Um, So... I'm not really, we, we already pretty much just, or at least I did already discuss my thoughts on this. And I think it's going to be a long road for him. It's been a long road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think Ryle, um, maybe a couple of years from now might be a little different, but it's going to take a while for him to get there for sure. Yeah. So, um, in the book, we learn that Atlas has kind of always been preparing for Lily to come back in his life to some extent. In what ways do we think that he creates a different world for Lily and her daughter? So it was it was interesting to learn that he sold his house, got another house, mm-hmm. and that this house had, I think she said it was like the best um, yard on the block or a really great yard or something in preparation for her garden, which mm-hmm. she's always wanted. Considerable atlas. Um, you know, so I think he... he he was hoping that they would be that that they would end up together um, after her running into his arms. I mean, that kind of made it a little obvious, but I don't know. I think that obviously Emerson in his hands will have a better experience, a better life um, with her stepdad. For sure. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's not going to have a good relationship with Ryle. I don't know that I'm hoping for her sake that she will, but I think that, uh, she definitely he definitely creates a different world for Lily in that she doesn't have to walk on eggshells. She doesn't have to fear for her safety or her, the safety of her daughter around him. And that he definitely gives her a shield, you know, for when she does have to be around Ryle um, mm-hmm. for her daughter's sake. So, yeah, I think that moving forward, Atlas is going to create a world for Lily and Emerson where they can feel safe and protected and secure. Um, I think that he will hopefully demonstrate for Ryle as well, but just to, to Emerson and Lily, how men should treat women, how a healthy rela- relationship should unfold and how it should look um, from the inside out. Just wanted to say, I thought him buying the house with like the garden and stuff was a little creepy. 
I, I think it's a little creepy. It kind of threw up some creep red flags for me because <laughs> I just, it's just a little weird. It's a little stalkerish in my opinion, not, not stalker in the sense that like you're, you know, following her around, but you're so fixated on this one person. It's a little weird. Well, that's, considerable that's what Atlas. I don't think, but you know what? Considerate. I think no, it, it is. It's a little over the top. You know what I mean? It's again, just, you know, putting icing on this perfect Atlas cake and saying, you know, oh, Alice is the perfect package. Look what he did. He got her yes. a garden. Fine. But let's reverse this for a second. And let's imagine Ryle did this in the same way. Creepy. No. Yes. Yeah. Because so everything he just, does is creepy. So why is it not creepy? Because Atlas does it. You know what I mean? It's it's creepy. It's just well, that it happens to be done by somebody that Lily actually like wants to be with that is if, going to treat her well. But it's still a weird thing to do. And I. But if Ryle did it, he would have did it under different uh, standards. He would have had like a sculpture in the yard of her first picture that he took or something pixelated. He actually um, did kind of <laughs> do he, he did kind of do this where he in the first book just bought the apartment. It was like this big extra. Uh, having an apartment without consulting her and she yeah. was just like oh my god we're moving in today um uh, no i don't like yeah. it i don't like it, it yeah, whatever happened awful. to mutual decision making yeah um, well i think that went out the door when he was pushing her down the stairs and you know backhanding well, not, her and stuff not just with ryle i just oh. mean in, in general i don't i don't no, like well, guys I, don't really do this you know your fantasy man buys you the house with the garden that you want to plant in um you know no, what but mean? what i mean is like i see this happening in books from time to time where it's like it's supposed to be this like romantic wonderful thing where a man just like decides to do something that's going to impact your life and like the rest of your life and and this and that like buying you a house without consulting with you and it's it's always framed as this like really sweet romantic thing. And in my opinion, I'm like, no, I want to have a say in where I'm going to live. I want to have really? a say in where my child is going to live. It's just kind of weird to me. I don't no, think it's I romantic. Agree. Um, all right. I agree I'll get you. off my, I'll get off my high horse on that. It's just, it just bothers <laughs> me. Um, all right. So what did you like best about the book? What did you like least about the book? And what was your favorite aspect <sighs> of this novel versus the original? Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to skip what I liked best first. <laughs> okay. What did I like least about the book? Uh, the book didn't need to be written. Um, I could have I could have went about my life if I never read this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just, I just kept living my life. I just kept living my life. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I would have been absolutely fine. I, I would have had the same feeling at the end of the other book uh, i don't know i just felt like it was like a drawn out continuation so i mm -hmm. guess that's what i liked least mm -hmm. favorite aspect of the novel versus the original i did like the dual perspectives i think it could have been cool if we had you know ryle and lily's perspective in the first one maybe that would have given an, an edge and we would have had you know more interesting depth um mm -hmm. to inside ryle's you know psychotic nature um so i did like that uh what did i like best about the book <laughs> i guess i liked um the whole family aspect for atlas mm. um those are the only parts that i really looked forward to reading mm -hmm. um all right what did i like best about the book i don't know if i liked anything about this book um i did like the title and the meaning behind it i I really struggle to identify anything else. I'm really sorry. Hooves. <laughs> I just didn't like almost anything about it. What did I like least? 
Oh my God. I, I do have to say the rewriting of entire letters from the first book that we already read just kind of pissed me off. It definitely was one of the things that I liked the least. I didn't understand why we had to read it again when we already read it. Um, it just felt like filler is very frustrating from a reader's perspective. And it really took me out of the novel and then favorite aspect of this novel versus the original, um, the involvement of some more characters and I don't know, I guess some of the family stuff, but that's probably about it. All right. So what did you think of the ending of the book? Did you feel satisfied with the ending? Did you want more of Lily and Atlas? Where do you think the characters go from here? All right. Well, I mean, I think we already said that Ryle not getting in the, out of the car was, I guess, him growing, but as best he could. I wasn't surprised by that. I mean, I don't think I was surprised by anything at the end. I mean, the book kind of really laid it out that it was going to end like that, in my opinion. Um, but I will be mm -hmm. honest about something. I was surprised about my own reading that when we got to the vows, I couldn't even handle it. I couldn't read it. I was done with the book yeah. at that point. I just could not even I just kept skimming the pages until it was over. So I guess that surprised me because when I started the book, I didn't expect that from myself. Yeah. Um, do I want more of Lillian Atlas? I think I just made myself clear that no, I don't. Yeah. Um, where do they go from here? I don't care. <laughs> no, um, I mean, I, they're going to raise their little family. That's, you know, and then they're going to start more family life. I don't care what they do. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, but... that's fair. Uh, I agree with you that like last, that last chapter where he was just reading his vows or he was writing them to Ellen. I, I did get through it, but I was like mentally vomiting the whole time. Yes. I was like, oh, my God, it's just overkill. It was just too much. There's just too much in this book. Yes, I was eye rolling uh, And yet so not hard. enough. <laughs> I was eye rolling so hard that I was choking on my eyeballs. They were in my throat. So, yeah, I'm just no more. No more. Um, great. Lily and Atlas ends up together. Woohoo. Um, I don't need a part three hooves. Please don't give that to us because we don't want it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I barely, I barely even wanted this and I didn't, I was not satisfied with it. Pretty, pretty much anything in this book. I don't think I was satisfied with anything. Um, I, yeah. I don't really care where the characters go from here. I, I mean, I I think we just assume they're going to live their fairy tale life from here on out. Everything's like hunky dory. Great. They're going to bloom. And yeah. Um, the only one I really care about in the end is Josh, I think. I yeah. hope he succeeds in life and I hope that he has a better, you know, upbringing going forward. Yeah, um, that's all. I think we can assume he will just because he's no longer in the toxic environment with his mother. But yeah, honestly, I don't really care. I don't really care about any of the characters in this book. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so we sorry. Loved this book so much, guys. If you're yeah. someone who really loved this book, I'm sorry. Maybe you can explain to us uh if there was something we were missing um on our socials but i just think this this wasn't the book for us no if, <laughs> if you were looking for atlas and lily to have a pretty bow wrapped up around them at the end then you got it yeah. um otherwise the best part was when i flipped the book over and i was done <laughs> so dramatic i know <laughs> Oh all God. right so um, on that note yeah <laughs> what moves novel would we be interested in reading next I'm not going to lie. I, 
I've been dissatisfied with the hooves. Um, this was my only experience reading her. So I would be, you know, maybe interested in reading Verity. I have heard good things about that. I know it's a different kind of book. Um, it's more of a thriller. And um, my friend Dana, shout out Dana, uh, did recommend it to me. So I would be maybe interested in reading that one, but I don't think I would be interested in reading any of her other books. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I actually bought Verity. I'm holding it. You can see it, <laughs> but I am holding it. Um, Verity is definitely a book I want to read. It just, I feel like we should have started maybe with reading that one. Um, because this was our introduction to this author and meh. Um, but I feel like it has way better uh, reviews on Goodreads and everything. So hopefully um, that'll redeem the hooves for us when we do read that. I also wouldn't mind reading uh, Reminders of Him. I heard really good things about that as well. Um, so maybe I would pick that up. <clears throat> but for now, I think we're going to press pause on the hooves. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. All right. So would you scoop Suspense. this up? Would you skip it? Would you recommend it to anyone? And how many golden scoops would you give it? Am I required to give it any? No. Okay. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be fair. <laughs> uh, obviously, I wouldn't scoop this. I mean, I think you guys can pick up on that already. <sighs> I would skip and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Uh, if anybody asked, oh, should I read part two? I'm going to be like, you know what? I wish someone would have told us not to. <laughs> Um, so hopefully this helps you if you heard this and didn't read it yet. Um, don't do it. Um, I mean, or do it if that's your thing and you would really like it and you want to see them wrapped up in a bow. That's that's fine. Um, but as far as golden scoops, I mean, would they have to be golden? The scoops, um, maybe silver. Uh, no, I would give this book a generous one and a half scoops. Yeah. Um, but I probably wouldn't eat it all of it. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I, I'm definitely not scooping this up. It's definitely a skip for me. I don't think I would recommend it to most people. Um, if you loved it ends with us and you really want more of the bare minimum from that book, then maybe, <laughs> um, but I just found this book very boring. I didn't think there was a lot of like there, there weren't a lot of stakes involved. Um, it was pretty predictable. I thought the writing was lackluster and the character development was extremely two dimensional. I just I think if you liked It Ends With Us, don't bother reading this. This actually tainted It Ends With Us even more for me. And I wasn't a huge fan of that to begin with. So um, I definitely give it one one maybe slightly rusted scoop. Um <laughs> Just kidding. a dirty scoop. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I, I it wasn't for me. I I had a lot of issues with this book. Yeah, that's a no for me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and now for our sassy spatula award recipient, I am very excited about this one. <laughs> yeah. So all right, before we head out of here, we do have our sassy spatula award to give out. And as you might have guessed, uh, the word last time was enigmatical. And the person who used it the most was Jess. She used the word 10 times in the last episode. Way to go, Jess. <laughs> 10 times. <laughs> 10 times. Did you like to make a speech? Sure. Um, <laughs> I would like to thank myself um, for using it 10 times. <laughs> I would also like to thank you, Alex, for not using it as much. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even sure if I used it at all. 
<laughs> no, I'm really, I'm really bad at it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, congratulations. That is a really, that is a really good statistic. 10 times is great. And it's great practice for learning a new word and for using it in everyday conversation. Yes. And now the word to me is no longer enigmatical. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. Yeah. Stop trying to get extra points. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. So our next book review will be on Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, which will air on Tuesday, August 29th. Join us then for our thoughts on the viral sensation. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, August 31st for another party episode. That's party. We also wanted to mention that we'll be releasing a book of the month episode on the last Wednesday of each month. Our first book of the month will be on Emily Henry's Happy Place. And that episode will air on Wednesday, August 30th. Yep. Looking forward to that. And if you haven't read any of the upcoming books, but would like to definitely head over to our link in the bio, get a copy for yourself, and then you can come and join our conversation, join our conversations on social media and, you know, pick that book up and read along with us. Yes. Have fun. And um, as an Amazon associate and member of other affiliate programs, we do earn from qualifying purchases. So you don't pay anything extra, but if you make a purchase from our link, we get a little commission. So Thank you for supporting if you do use the link. All right. We're out of here. Bye. Bye. For anyone who's just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We'll be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so be sure to check out our socials for updates and bonus content. You can find us on Instagram at bookswithcooks underscore podcast, on TikTok at bookswithcookspodcast, on Twitter at Books with Cooks, and you can visit our website at bookswithcooks.wixsite.com. That's W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can also email us at bookswithcooks at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Goodreads for our full book reviews at Jess Books with Cooks and Alex Books with Cooks. We'll include this information in our podcast bio. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. Now let's turn the page and put a fork in it. Because we're done with this one.